Yakuza. We open with news today that hits so many keystones of this program that it's fit to lead the show. That's news out of Japan where their space agency has successfully landed two robots onto an asteroid. That's right. Released from the Hayabusa 2 probe, the robots successfully landed onto the Ryugu asteroid a day after they were released. The round biscuit tin shaped robots are going to survey the asteroid by taking advantage of its low gravity, jumping around on the surface, soaring as high as 15 meters. What they hope to achieve is to find unknown activity on this asteroid that hasn't been exposed to millennia of wind and radiation like on our planet. Also, the Hayabusa 2 probe will deploy an impactor as well as a probe released by the French-German landing vehicle named for the Mobile Asteroid Surface Scout, or mascot. So that means, yes indeed, there is a mascot in space, and I hope it's just like Grizzy, the new mascot of the Philadelphia Flyers. If you're not familiar with this guy, don't go a-looking for him, because he seems a lot like a critter on skates. Today, though, I want to talk about party invitations, TED Talks, and more positive news as we stay above the fold to start joshing around. We better hurry up with the space exploration, otherwise we might be doomed. A new study has found that America's national parks have warmed twice as fast as the U.S. average and could see some of the worst effects of climate change. Parks are particularly vulnerable because most of their land is in areas that are heating up quicker, in the mountains, the Arctic, and the dry southwest, like at Joshua Tree National Park, which is becoming uninhabitable for the trees that share its name, while glaciers continue to melt away at Glacier National Park. The study finds that temperatures in national parks could go up 3 to 9 degrees Celsius by 2100 under the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change's worst-case scenario. Native Americans were familiar with this too, and they felt this way for eons, beginning when they tried to mend the original cracks in the Grand Canyon, which up to the fracture they called the Great Expanse. Bear in mind, though, that that is just a worst-case scenario and not necessarily something that's likely to happen, just like at the turn of the last two centuries where Y2K suggested planes might fall out of the sky, and before that, experts suggested a reforestation of Upton Sinclair's The Jungle. Speaking of worst-case scenarios, I remember the first time my crazy ex-wife got Baker acted. She threw a party, invited all my friends and their kids, and as soon as everyone arrived and was having a good time, she had about a beer and a half and proceeded to toss her Prozac around. Not like she was passing out party favors, but instead tossing handfuls of spite at the guests. A few landed in the bowl of our goldfish, who I posthumously named Prozachary. One of the concerned young parents at the party phoned the police, who came with EMS in tow to strap her to a gurney and take her away. As she was being wheeled out, a friend turned to me and said, I don't understand. She invited me personally through the post with the most proper of invitations. Well, I said, thanks for coming to our pithy party all the same. In the moment, I endured such unfortunate circumstances under the guise of the aphorism, you've made your bed, now lie in it, which brings us reluctantly to another segment of Cliché Corner. This aphorism, as I noted, is said to someone who must accept the unpleasant results of something they've done, but I suggest to you that this is more idiom than anything else, because what idiot would make their bed and then lay down? Come on, 
undo the sheets before you go to sleep, and in the morning when it's time to rise, get up out of bed, son. It's time to wake up. And that's what I finally did when I got out of that abusive relationship. If you're in a similar situation, I hope my words help you find a way out. Please know, you're not alone. I've offered this advice many times. In fact, that's an excerpt from my TED Talk. Though to observe the audience to whom I give the speech, it'd more accurately be called a Bill and TED Talk. We mentioned gonzo journalism last week. Then seemingly on cue, a heap of 180 letters from Hunter S. Thompson to a childhood friend detailing how he went from struggling writer to father the form are set to be auctioned off by month's end. The letters, spanning hundreds of pages, began in 1955 when Thompson was writing The Rum Diaries and continue through 1974. They include his feelings upon writing his first book, Hell's Angels, including the pressure he felt after the initial commission where he writes, The awful shadow of the book, not even begun as of yet, hangs on me like a pending shit train. Also included in the letters, detail how he came up with the famous phrase fear and loathing four years before that book was released. While he was at the Democratic National Convention in 1968, he penned his friend saying, I came and watched it happen, and it's true. Are you ready for the crunch? A redistribution of the cattle prods. Fear and loathing. Beware. From gonzo to yellow, sometimes I need a break from all that journalism, which isn't to say I'm looking for fake news, but maybe instead just trying to pump the positivity. So I asked Google to search for just that, and they suggested right at the top of the page that I visit positive.news. When I did, I found myself at a site home to a cooperative media group owned by readers and journalists worldwide. Under the hashtag #OwnTheMedia. They suggest they're the first media organization in the world to offer community shares globally through crowdfunding. It's got a world vibe through the lens of a UK Aussie European eye. As for positive news, I guess. Above the fold on the site today, the lead story is out of the United Kingdom where protesters have delivered a radical manifesto to Downing Street calling for an end to the war on wildlife. Further down the page is more news out of England reporting that ditching of fur at London Fashion Week. You think this site hasn't been updated for 20 years, only to find another article about New Zealand's Prime Minister bringing her baby to the United Nations meetings in New York. I guess that's positive, but geez, if the Prime Minister can't get away from her little Kiwi, what chance do the rest of us parents have? In case you were wondering, we have a friend from New Zealand, so I'm allowed to say Kiwi. As for my little Pee Wee, I take her to daycare every morning like a responsible working parent, where recently she's been learning to rhyme. This has been going on a couple of weeks now, starting with the word duck. Somehow the inevitable had yet to occur until last night when she finally stumbled across an F in the front. Sadly, this was the same night she went hard rhyming words with cape until things got a little racy. That said, I blame the sexually charged political climate represented in the media. Thankfully, though, the big kids weren't around to hear it. As you two gather intelligence on the disappearing Joshua trees, this episode draws to a close. Now that Japanese robots and mascots cohabitate celestial bodies in the same space occupied by Hunter S. Thompson's remains, stay humble. Yet remember, there's so much to see and do if you just wake up and make your bed without lying there letting it consume you. Pump the positivity while remaining sly like a fox, for real, just like a ripe kiwi until we're awestruck by the luck of making big bucks from raking muck and joshing around.